0: Listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, back with Corey, and this is Habs Nightly. So we are on what is it now? Our I think it's our fourth week of quarantine chat on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um me and Corey are kind of just sitting down, chilling. It's gonna be kind of a chill episode. Um there's some interesting stuff going on in the hockey world, but first I think we need to start things with an you know saying hi Corey
1: yeah uh, hi um, welcome to week four um, if you've ever wondered what it's like to work at like a tabloid place um, where we basically have like blackboards we write shit down and we throw we throw like darts at them and whatever sticks just happens to be what we talk about so welcome welcome to the, the draining of ideas yep <laughs>
0: And like, we're, we're sorry, but it, content is hard to come by right now. But um, before we really get into that, um, I think we both wanted to start it off with just saying our condolences to the Cave family. Um, if you haven't heard, Colby Cave, a um, player for the Edmonton Oilers, just 25 years of age, died of a brain bleed yesterday. Um, He was put in a medically induced coma and sadly he passed away. Um, We really saw the hockey world kind of unite. A lot of players reaching out. Connor McDavid, um, Andrew Shaw, David Pasternak. So obviously this is really, really sad. And our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. And is there anything you wanted to add to that, Benders?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's really, it's really tough you know, you don't have to know this guy. You don't have to be a, a sports fan or a hockey fan to, to you know, just kind of sh- sharing that lost feeling. You know, this is a terrible time to lose somebody. And for the, you know, for his family, it just happens to be his time. Um, this is not the type of news that we're looking for. You know, as it, hard as it is to come across hockey news right now, this is not you know what I was expecting to wake up to the other day and um, I hate that we're so stretched for content that you know that all people can talk about is Colby Caves loss and you know I just really feel bad for his wife and I believe he's if he doesn't have kids I I could be reading something wrong Um, but I, I think it just sucks that there's nothing else that can be you know, overshadow that, that way the family can do their grievances. It's just so, it's the only news that's out there. So it's getting way more, I wouldn't say than it deserves, but, you know, I would think as a family, I wouldn't want this to be the center of attention right now. I'd I'd rather grieve with my family and my loved ones. And just at this time, it's it's not much else to talk about. So it's being, it's being recycled a lot. And I'm sure that's tough for for any of his family or friends to see that constantly,
0: you know, 100% and I think that's why we're not going to focus too much on his loss but you know I there's so many good stories coming out on hockey twitter and just in the hockey world about this guy um personally I I'd heard I've probably heard Colby Caves name like twice like he was not by no means an all-star but um this guy came out of the WHL the Swift Current Broncos undrafted battled his way into a contract with the Boston Bruins. Um, I think it was in Providence where he um, actually won a fight and knocked a guy out. And uh, <laughs> after the game, sent him a text to make sure that he was okay. Stuff like that. Like everyone says that everyone says nice things after you pass, but it really does seem like Colby cave was a genuinely nice guy. And it's just sad to see that his life was cut so short off of, off of something so random, too. I don't think anyone would expect a healthy young athlete to go through that. But, you know, genuinely seemed to be a really great guy, and it it is a tragedy.
1: It's a terrible loss. Um, Dude had a hell of a career, uh, especially in Providence. You know, like, he just lit it up for his team. Just absolutely, um, I'm sure what a coach would say, like, a member of a team that you would want, it's, it's a guy that you would always you would pick him over someone who's just flashy, you know, it's a guy who gave everything for his team and that'll be something he'll be remembered for. And even uh, Wayne Gretzky even said something very nice about him. So, I mean, this kid obviously, you know, had the heart of, of a hockey God, you know?
0: Yeah. And to, I'm sure somewhere, wherever he is, he's probably still smiling though, that the great one is out there giving him compliments. So. Yeah. I think, I think that's our, our little piece on that. And, you know, before we entirely move on, I do think it's important to look at how awesome the sports world is in moments like these. You know, rivalries don't matter. Um, who you play for, none of that matters. Really, the hockey community can't, comes together in times of need. Just the sports community in general. We saw this earlier with um, Kobe Bryant, and I think Kobe died in February, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, that was also just so tragic with his daughter and the other people in the helicopter crash the pilot the other families the other players but um it's it's sad to see that it often takes tragedy but it's nice to see that the sports community is very willing to come together transcend sports and really stick up for each other
1: absolutely um you know you don't have to like that specific sport to to feel that loss and and you know honor that that man you know or that player doesn't have to be a man
0: yeah but anyway moving on um we just want to pay respects to Colby and his family um we do actually have some Habs related stuff to talk about today but like Corey said we're kind of just gonna throw some darts at the board kind of see where this one takes us um I think first we should probably start off with the big news that we genuinely just saw, like, what do you want to say? Like 10 minutes ago, we were looking yeah. looking <laughs> for ideas to talk about. <laughs> and uh, so it turns out that uh, Alexander Romanov might possibly join the Montreal Canadians um, if the season restarts. We're not sure what's going to happen with the season, but his agent came out and said that, um, if the season does restart, we could see Romanov come back if the rules are changed a little bit. And this was reported by Eric Engels. So that is huge. Like, you know, Eric Engels is the guy to go to when it comes to Montreal Canadian stuff. And me and Corey have been talking about this guy for so long. He's 2018 second rounder, looking like one of the best, if not the best, defensive prospects coming out of that draft. Um, His agent came out with a statement and I'll read the quote right here and then I'll let Corey jump in. It looks like the GMs are in favor of having some kind of regular season and then as many as 24 teams would possibly make the playoffs. We'll uh, talk about that later. Romanov's agent, Dan Milstein told Sportsnet Friday, if I was Montreal, I'd probably be calling Romanov for this year. So I think that's, if that's his agent saying that, it sounds like Romanov has some interest and it's going to be really interesting to see. What Mark Bergerman decides to do,
1: you know, I, I really hope. I really hope they take this time to really understand how important and how fortunate they are that, amongst the uh, the fucked up in, <laughs> fucked upness that this season is, you know, even if they do allow more teams to play in the playoffs, you know, we're not built to move really far right now. You know, it's really awesome that we'll we'll be able to uh, to recover. We'll have a lot of healthy players. But you would be stupid if any team does not take advantage of testing out their prospects right now and seeing are they capable of playing this type of hockey right now because next season you can bring in someone – right off the bat, you know, and I think this is a great time to test him out. We've seen a lot of success on the Nick Suzuki. I mean, truthfully, if the shit didn't stop, I think this man would have made himself either, like, you know, I don't know about the number one rookie right now, but I, I could see him taking over second. I, I, you know, that um, Hughes versus um, your boy in Colorado were kind of going at it for Rob, but they they were starting to get injury injuries towards the ass end of the season, and Nick Suzuki has just continue to to just show success even with a failed you know style of play that we've been playing as of late it's just we we just don't have the team chemistry Um, and you know what I think bringing in someone like Romanov could really help this team a lot.
0: Yeah 100% and what his agent and Sportsnet or Eric Angles has pointed out is that he won't get to 40 games so he's not going to get He's not going to burn a year of his entry-level contract, and
1: absolutely not. It's 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 Kale McCarr in the playoffs last year.
0: Exactly. You know? It's a free ride, and we saw how well that worked out for Kale McCarr. With the, let's be honest, he is Quinn Hughes fans, Olafson fans. I'm sorry, Kale McCarr is the best rookie in the NHL this year. Sorry, Suzuki. I think Suzuki was coming for him. I don't think he was going to catch him. I think, like you said, he was going to. He could have got second, maybe. I think Kale McCarr was far away, the rookie of the year. And that was a great chance for him to get some experience, get a kind of a leg up, and for the Avalanche to get, you know, to see him for the first time against good competition. If Montreal has the opportunity to, because it, it all depends on how the rules and when the season restarts, to make this happen, though, I if they don't, I'm – I'm losing so much faith. Like, I, I will be devastated. I want to see Romanov play. I think that would be the highlight of the year.
1: Yeah, I think it's foolish to not do it. Um, but another thing about Suzuki, you know, uh, he didn't have to be the number one rookie. You know, it's important for him to just play his best. But for the fans' sake, you know, like, you, you know, we're all wanting this team to be better. You know, we were a third-round team four years ago you know, five years ago. Um, but to see that we got a player so young, so already comfortable in this league that his rookie season, he's already surpassing just about everyone in his his class of rookies. That's something that we all need to really take notice in and just be fortunate that we have someone like that. Because not far behind him, you have someone like Alexander Romanov, you know, and a, Kale, uh, and a, a Cole Caulfield. You know, so it's just really great to see that no matter what the season looks like for us, this kid is still lighting it up.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Nick Suzuki, like we see, you, you said it perfectly. He didn't have to be the number one rookie. This has been a pretty good year for rookies. We've seen a lot of young players come out and just play incredibly. Um, three young Olafson, McCarr and Quinn Hughes are already looking like they were already stars on their teams um Nick Suzuki I think just did it more quietly but um
1: I think he also had to find a way onto the team as well he wasn't guaranteed a spot you know
0: oh yeah definitely Montreal does that's one thing Montreal does not rush their prospects in and people may be snickering thinking oh Kotkaniemi um I think you and I both agree that or you might disagree I don't think Kotkaniemi was a mistake his first year he played very well he just struggled with injuries this year and you know the sophomore slump is a real thing I can't explain it analytically I'm sure Matt probably Matt if you don't know Matt the stats guy on the hockey podcast network I, know Matt. Think- I feel yeah. like
1: I'm a I feel like Billy Madison sitting in kindergarten to <laughs> shit. you know it's like I'm just soaking up knowledge
0: yeah I'm sure he I'm not sure what his views on it he he's purely a numbers guy he might think it's bogus but I am convinced the sophomore slump is a thing; it just happens, and uh, I think that's what we saw with Kakhniemi. I would not be worried. I think Kakhniemi is going to come out strong next year, but for Montreal to come out and give that much ice time, and with the quality of like the quality of players he was lining up against too, shows that they have a lot of faith in Nick Suzuki. I think Nick Suzuki only grew in confidence, and I think we're going to see. A bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, more confident Nick Suzuki next year. He's going to put up even more points.
1: I mean, I truthfully believe he was the best uh, acquired uh, rookie player we've gotten in, you know, in, in a decade. Yeah. To this team.
0: And we got Tatar.
1: Yeah. And. <laughs> and we didn't move him yet. So. <laughs> I
0: think the Romanov draft pick might have been that one too. I'm going to look up that trade.
1: Hmm.
0: Wouldn't that be interesting? But yeah, like that's the thing. Um, Mark Bergman always says, well, here's what I, I find kind of funny. Mark Bergman literally always goes on and says, you can't, you either have to, He what did he say? You can't trade for number one centermen. You have to draft them. And what's looking to be our best, um, center prospect we fucking traded for
1: yeah i'm (laughs) i look man i think that the smartest of all things that we've done when we had that you know really solid team 2000 i'd say 13 to 15 i think the smartest move we made was realizing that max patch already needed needed a move he just he wasn't going to fit in our in our equation anymore yeah which is too bad because it's too bad because he's a great player and he's absolutely lights out right now but of all of the things that we were able to get in return for the future's sake i think that that was the best trade we made
0: oh i think that shea
1: weber's great but i think for the future i think that gaining Tatar and nick suzuki was a risk and it has paid off and it's going to pay off in the future for us a lot longer than the Shea Weber, PKC band trade,
0: which I've actually, I think it's shown that that trade paid out pretty well for us
1: too. Oh, I love it. You know, like, like I, I hate that he's gone, you know, I get that he was button heads with like Gallagher and, you know, maybe he wasn't seeing eye to eye with certain players and, and people, you know, like I guess higher ups, but, uh, it wasn't like we really took a hit, you know. We've been a very injury prone team as of late. And because of that we've we've kind of lost a, a really good connection. You know, we, we don't get a lot of spurts. But what we've gained in the process of all of this, you know, heartbreak since then, we're starting to develop a really good team that we can all be proud of.
0: Oh yeah, and building through the draft just quick note, I was mistaken. It's a twenty nineteen second round draft pick. And Romanov was drafted in 2018. But um, like you said, yeah, this team, we've discussed it all year, being built through the draft. They're building the right way. And I'm just so – like, I I don't know how to express how happy I am at the prospect of Romanov playing. Because, like, on a season that seems kind of lost, that would just make it. That'd be – I'd be totally – convinced that Mark Bergevin has bought into the rebuild because I'm not a hundred percent convinced that he has yet. But if he does this and he pulls this off, um, I think, you know, it's reason, there's good reason to have confidence in him and the team and just know that we get to watch our young stars. Like th- this is the future. These guys are going to make the big changes, the big impact to help bring us back to the Stanley cup.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm starting to feel like um, like I'm okay with with taking that break to build this team because I'm starting to be a lot more confident in this team than the teams we had a couple years back.
0: Mm-hmm, like, okay.
1: yeah, I miss some of those big names, but that's that's what it is. It's a big name, and we're witnessing these players turn into the big names that we had. Yeah,
0: well, it's like when when Montreal had all those young when Montreal and like I want to say, I'm trying to think of the draft. I, anyway, it's not important. But when Montreal had those stars that we traded away, like Subban and Patrietti, they were both drafted the same year. We we got to watch them grow. You know, those were homegrown guys: Patcheri, Gallagher, Subban, even Galchenyuk. People, Galchenyuk was good for a few seasons. They all came up together. They all were young players who developed and then they got us somewhere. Unfortunately, it didn't work out because Chris Kreider, I'm still convinced won that series when he took out carry price. But, um, now we get, I mean, (laughs) now we get to see it happen again, right? With new young guys who are going to develop into stars mixed in with some of the old guys who are still stars like Gallagher and price.
1: I like it. Oh, now I got a question, right? So like, I was reading the article that came out yesterday um, as far as where, where would you see Romanoff fitting? You know, he's coming to the NHL. It's just a matter of time. When, where do you see him sitting now, according to this, this is on a uh, fansided.com for anyone who wants to check it out, but uh, they have him sitting third line next to Christian Follen which I don't believe is a bad take, but I think that you could definitely move around these lines and, and you know, may, maybe you start him with Folan, but I definitely think that maybe like uh, like even like Brett Kulak could step down. Like just let him move up. I don't oh. think he's, Sorry, he's ready to play with Shea Weber, but I, I definitely think that sooner or later you could see Romanov playing with Shea Weber and getting some knowledge, even a Ben Sharat.
0: Who do they have is the top the top four, Mete, Weber, Kulak, Petrie?
1: They have it right here as uh, Sherratt, Weber, uh, Kulak, Petrie, and then I guess uh, Folan and Mete. Yeah, so, they, so it, it's a little weird, you know. But. Oh,
0: I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Here, here's uh, my one issue with Sherrod and Weber. And for the most part, they've played well together. But I do think that, because while Shea Weber has proven to be like he's had some injuries, but he's he's durable, he's Adapted his game, and he's still an all-star level defenseman with the hardest shot in the league. Um, him and Sherat together is not quick. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's more of a just sit at home. You know, just sitting in, sitting at the blue line. We're not we're not gonna cross it. You know, kind of like how we play on on Chow right now. Oh know? yeah, just um. But I, but I believe you know they're making this point as because of Victor Mete having that fractured foot. You know, there's a chance he's not going to be around if Romanov comes back for the end of this season. So I guess this is how they would see the team set up as far as defense right here. Um, you know, I would. Hmm.
0: Well, can I, I just can I just make a point before Go I ahead. make my answer because it needs a little explanation. Um, I know that when Victor Mete broke in, as you know, I don't think anyone really like. Casual Habs fans had – even myself, I didn't know that much about Victor Mete. He was a fourth-round pick out of London, so it's a great program in London. But just genuinely not an undersized fast defenseman. And he came out of nowhere and was one of the best defensive prospects in the NHL that year, like not putting up great points or anything. He obviously had the goal-scoring job, but he had that really good promise. He had that good World Juniors tournament. And then, you know, the last, you know, little bit last I want to say, is it two seasons now? Is he on his third year? I think last two seasons. Um, obviously he hasn't quite lived up to that initial hype as much, but I still think you can make the argument that Weber has done as well as he has because Mete is there to catch people. And mm-hmm. I have noticed sometimes Weber gets beat just on foot speed Mete catches him every single time. Yeah. So I'm almost kind of unsure if you break that pair up.
1: Okay, now if he's still injured, you know, granted he's he's had a lot of time for rest. Yeah. Know, but if he's still injured, who do you put? Now I don't see Sharat staying up there. I think that they have that based off of a of scoring abilities. Um I think that that to them they would see that line as being the efficient line to getting our, our offense going. Okay, you know?
0: here's here's See that's tough. I think if Mete's injured it really fucks things up because the obvious choice is Petrie, but you can't play Petrie there. You know what I mean? You just
1: can't no, you can't. Um I, I I don't think you put Shea Weber and Petrie together. Like it just wouldn't work. I think it's just as slow as Sherrod and Weber. Petrie I mean Petrie's I think Petrie's still pretty quick. I just think
0: you you have no depth if you do that. Um, I'm wondering, here's kind of a crazy idea. What about, and this is really reliant on health, what about Noah Juleson? (laughs) He's good. Like, when Noah Juleson has played, he's been really good. It's just, and people forget that. But because he has those chronic head, that chronic head injury, like, he's missed a lot of time. But when he's played in the NHL, people were like, Yo, this guy's he was a first round draft pick in the McDavid draft. Like he he's a good player and I don't know, I just like he's not he's not quick, but he's not slow. I just I, I don't know.
1: If if he if you want to put him into this, I'd put him next to Jeff Petrie, and um <laughs> It's tough. Oh, what this is you, a tough one, dude. What
0: about Romanov? What do you slot him up there with Weber right away?
1: See now, that's the thing. I I don't think that I would want Romanov to be slotted as a f- you know like I don't want him to well, have that much.
0: I don't even know what hand like what side of D he plays.
1: Hmm. If but sorry, I'm being continue this point. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, I mean, this is a tough decision. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you got. It's pretty lined up pretty fairly right now. You know, it seems like uh you know, your first two lines, your uh your right D is your slower pair with your left B being the, the ones who can kind of pick up the slack. Um I don't know. I think I, I would drop <laughs> I think I drop uh Nah fuck it. I move <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I move uh, – I would put Juleson with Weber. I would take Kulak, move him down to the third line, Ben Charrat to the second with Jeff Petri, and then I would bring in Romanov and keep him down with uh, Kulak for like one or two games, and then we'd I'd play with it again.
0: And I think this is all this lineup. What we're talking about now is reliant on Mete being injured to start the year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, as
1: far as the end of this, the end of this. Okay, season, the end of this. This, we're this isn't about, even going into next season. Yeah, this yeah. is to see what level we're going to get out of Romanov as far as potential starting next season. You know?
0: Yeah. See, I but don't. I don't, think, I don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I, I just don't think it's a. Some people might disagree. I don't think it's much of a competition between Folan and Kulak. I Kulak is like a Jake Gardner in the sense that he has. Mm-hmm. When he has, he genuinely mostly has good games. Sometimes flashes some offense. It's just when he fucks up.
1: It's devastating. He, yeah, he really <laughs> fucks up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah uh, it's like... Uh, you know, um, all right. So this is why I wouldn't want to put all straight away with Shea Weber because I feel like that would not give you a, a, an understanding of what type of play he's going to play. I feel like he would get too much positivity from Shea Weber, and I don't he mean, might defer like, too. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like you wouldn't see his play style as much because he'd play he'd be playing next to our best defenseman, who's also very offensive yeah he can be slow footed at times you know but I don't think that we'll get a good look at this kid if you put him next to our bread and butter on the defense right now you know I would want him to overshine or show what he's capable of doing with maybe a line that is not as as dominant with having like a Petri or Shea Weber I would put him with Ben Ben Sherrod
0: I would. I think Sherat would be a good partner for him. But the only the only issue I see with playing Romanov on the third, I you'd have to move Sherat down because I don't think Romanov with Kulak is good either. Because like we said, Kulak is good, but I don't think he's not. He's not the old. He's a veteran, but he, I'd say he's still kind of on the young side. I think he's like twenty four.
1: Well, I think I'd, if you played him next to Kulak, you would see just as talented as he can be. But I'm not saying forever, you know, just showing you what he's capable with with maybe a guy who is a little bit out of his league, you know, being able to pick up slack. We're trying to see if he could carry a line. uh, But I also,
0: I think I – and just to be the devil's advocate here, I almost feel like that could be bad because, (laughs) like we said, every once in a while, most of the time Kulak will play very good. We occasionally see him unleash a clap or he's got a really hard shot. Or he'll put a little move and on and you know take a step in and make a nice pass or something, right? And we go, oh, you know that's a nice pickup. I'm glad we got Kulak. And then that that one in ten game or one in we'll say six game, he'll uh, he'll go to make one of those moves, fall on his ass, Patrick step on the puck all the way down, and they'll go and score a breakaway or something, right? <laughs> like I just don't know if that'll be. I say I'm over-exaggerating. Great for Romanov, but I also kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, you could maybe see him pick up some of the slack and really show that star power, but it's all really dependent, and I'm sure Claude Julien will figure it out.
1: I mean, I think this is tough. Okay, so, like, if Victor Mete is in, you got you to gotta sit someone. So, do you sit a Brett Kulak or do you sit Christian
0: Um, Fulan, easy. That's easy for me. I, I have no issue with Christian Follen. I just think that um Kulak's better. Now, I don't know if you disagree, but I just, I just feel like
1: never been like sold. you could get a little bit more defense out of Follen. I don't think he's gonna take too many risks as far as Brett Kulak and his want to be a little bit more offensive. Um but I can I I can see keeping Kulak around just because he does have those moments, those spurt moments where he's playing a little beyond what you're, what you're expecting.
0: Yeah. but I think
1: think you keep Kulak, you got to put him next to someone who can definitely hold, like someone who could definitely (laughs) help that man when he, you know, like I think that's why like that Kulak Jeff Petri sits pretty well because I feel like uh, Jeff Petrie still has a little bit of quickness left in him, but his defensive-mindedness can save that line from really making a devastating play. Like, if Kulak wants to go beyond the blue and try to set up or, or you know, just get a little too flashy, you <clears throat> could lean on a Jeff Petrie who's not afraid to sit back, you know, knowing that he's got offensive capabilities but does not mind playing a less sub, uh, substantial role you know, sitting in the back and maybe just being that first initial pass player.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, that's why I kind of, I like that idea of Ben Chirot. I think that would probably be his best partner. And I don't know if you can, I think the only issue is trying to figure out a way to facilitate that, like messing around the lines. But um, I think in terms of just, he's a veteran guy. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's steady defensively. He can pick up that suck there, and because he's so steady defensively, Romanov's not known as an offensively talented guy, but if he wants to jump up and you know maybe show that we're wrong and he has offensive flair, he has the opportunity to do that with uh,
1: Ben Sherat okay, so do you do you tell Ben Sherat to come down to the third line for a bit? And play with the next possible top end defenseman of this team. You know, if I'm Ben Chiarot, I take it. I think so because I think that that duo, if 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 yeah. if they can get that synergy, can be just as important as a Victor Mete and Shea Weber. I feel like you could almost give Shea Weber a break and move his line to the second if this line becomes as dominant as there possibly could be.
0: Okay, and since this isn't complicated enough, let's throw another curveball in. (laughs) So, one of, I'm sure people who listen to this know, my favorite prospects for Montreal. And it's, it's, he hasn't had a great year in Laval, I'll admit. But he is a very good offensive defenseman. Josh Brook is an upcoming guy.
1: Holy fuck, dude. (laughs) Josh Brook. Has got a, you know what? We're gonna have to trade somebody, or someone's yeah. gonna have to retire, because Josh Brook or uh, a Romanov line, or a Josh Brook Juleson line, is ridiculous. And don't I for- think that that youth line is the future.
0: Yeah, and don't forget, here's the th- here's what makes me so happy. Our defense, Jaden Struble's coming up too, <laughs> and uh, out of nowhere, and I don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a. Bottom four pairing guy, but Gustav Olison did come up and play for Montreal this year. I liked him. I thought he played pretty well. So I think Montreal's got a bunch of options. We're talking, obviously, we're talking about next season now. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> hey, maybe they'll even bring back Carl Olsner into the mix.
1: Oh. Man. You know, y- you start to forget. Oh, my. We forgot like,
0: about Kale Fleury.
1: <laughs> I'm starting to get nervous that we've we've acquired so much that now we're looking at these guys that are that are are about to reach like the NHL caliber position and we don't have do we take the risk and move a player to bring them up? Because I feel like for the most part, I like the lines as they are. I think there's there's people that can move cousins. I think there's people that can, you know, that can be moved around a little bit, but fuck.
0: Um, well, here's, I'm getting nervous. Like I'm going to change my answer for next season. Um, Cale Fleury, I think we can both easily say, yeah, he got sent down for, I think, more of a confidence thing. Cause, but I think the whole team was playing shit. Cale Fleury proved that he is an NHL defenseman. He he starts in the NHL next year. I think we can say that easily. I think Victor Me- Victor Mete, if healthy, he's in the NHL. That, that, I think that's fair to say, right?
1: Yeah, so, absolutely.
0: We've already got a top four in <laughs> Petrie, Weber, Mete, Fleury. Okay, those are. I think we can establish probably the most safe. Well, we also have Ben Sherratt, so that's five spots already. So, if I'm looking. We're talking about adding Romanoff. We've got Josh Brook coming up, Jaden Struble in a few years. Um, we got Noah Juleson, who is gonna come back from injury hopefully, and say, Hey, I fucking earned my place here. I was playing in the NHL. Um, who else? We named one more, didn't we? Romanoff. Uh Olafson, too. Yeah, oh, and Romanov. So that's what, six? That's six players fighting for one spot.
1: <laughs> all I know is the fan we might all be getting mad at Bergvin again. <laughs> because, you know, where do you fit these guys? You know. It's a good all... problem to have. No, yeah, I, I believe so too. But I think I think that we've already seen you know, uh, play from from some of these guys, and I think that as fucked up it is as it as it is of a situation because we have too many stout defensemen coming up. But I think you sit them, you bring up another guy like Josh Brooks, give his chance, and all that'll do is fuel the fire for you know, like an Olafson, or you know, let's say they don't choose Flurry to come up next season right away. You know, I think that that fuels the fire. If Victor Mete is a great player but if we're gonna start to see more of an injury prone aspect from him I think that as fucked up as it is that could play in our favor to to know that you would always have like almost like a mid-season spot for someone to develop (laughs) even further you know
0: yeah um the one thing I think we have to consider though is that and I think this would put Flurry more in jeopardy than any other player on that that we just discussed in terms of secured spots. Sorry. Um, I don't think Romanov for one second, and I don't think anyone is under the impression that he is coming over here to play in the AHL. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: He's not no, no, leaving no, no, Russia. For, yeah, he's
0: leaving <laughs> Russia for the NHL, not the AHL. So I think you almost have to say, yeah, Romanov's got a confirmed spot going into next year, right? Like, so it's going to be interesting. I think it's a very good problem for Montreal to have. Um, I think Jeff Petrie's contract is coming up soon, but I doubt Montreal doesn't. I can't see them not re-signing him.
1: Um, I wonder, do you... I think it's tough because I feel you've already seen the rumors that we saw earlier this season. We picked up Ben Sherratt. So I'm I'm thinking that yeah, that you got Ben Sherratt, he's only 28. Well, he's about... Yeah, yeah, he just turned 28, I believe. No, he's about to turn 29. So you still got a little bit of time with Ben Sherratt. I think that we might as sad as it is, we might that might be the guy who's moving is a Jeff Petrie, you know, what? I hate rumors, but I, I f- want, oh,
0: can you afford to move him?
1: If you look at our draft prospects and they get a shot and we can see a glimpse of what they could bring. I think that you could see a Jeff Petrie moving and you can, you could it, you could package full with somebody and that would, open up two spots if we're expecting Romanoff to be as good as he is and we got like you said six guys hunting for one position
0: yeah the only issue is um fucking so Petrie is signed until the end of next season at five and a half mil which I think is actually if we look at puck moving scoring defenseman is a very very good contract So he'll be 33, which I'd say we've seen with Shea Weber and a bunch of other – it's still prime years for a defenseman. Um, But he also has a modified no-trade clause. So in moving a player like that, you're going to run into some issues. Um, That's why I'm wondering, do you maybe go ahead and say, you know, Ben Sherratt, we love you. You're a great signing, but we need room.
1: I mean, he, he is at a – he's a 3-5 cap hit. You know, that's
0: pretty good. I think he's proven that.
1: Yeah, I think he deserves content. it. I think that he's got a great contract for the type of player he is. I think that – I think that the only way that it benefits us is if you move someone like Ben Sherratt, we look instantly for – I wouldn't even look for a pick. Uh, I wouldn't look for a fucking uh, prospect either. I think you got to move Ben Chirot for a possible, you know, bottom, a bottom guy for the team and a fucking very solid backup goalie.
0: Yep. But <laughs> here's the other thing, and it's kind of moving on. Do you need to trade for a solid backup goalie when you've got Caden Primo coming up? God. I see, talking about this just makes me happy. It's
1: yeah, it makes me happy, but it's also like it's, <laughs> it's also frustrating because it's like, where do you where do you start moving these fucking guys? Like, are we ready to bring up Primo? I believe so. I think it's his time. We're starting to see Kerry Price lose it a little bit. I think it's time for Kerry Price to play less games, play more beneficial games for him. That way we're not abusing the fuck out of him anymore. And Primo gets his shot. So if we don't do that, you know, then Sherrod's got to be traded for almost an as-even trade as as PK versus Shea Weber, just not in defense.
0: See, I have already, this season <laughs> alone, gone out and made the blasphemous statement that I thought Montreal should be starting a certain goalie with the initial CP. Not named Carrie Price. Um that is of course King Primo. Um I yeah, I've got some flack for that, but I still think that Primo
1: I don't I don't look dude
0: should have started. I don't know this why.
1: <laughs> I don't know why you got flack. Other than people aren't willing to see that change is needed. Do you run Carrie Price into the ground? Because you've already fucked his career up.
0: Oh, we already have.
1: You, you move players at a time when he could shine through it. He got hurt that one fucking season. He was expected to come back in January. You know, that's not his fault. He got hurt like a couple of games in. We had a great run. It just happens. He's not going to get another great chance like that if we use – if we abuse him Like we are, we need to bring someone in like we do with all of our fucking side guys. We bring in all of these guys who, who can, who are proven capable, but then we wash them up. Look at Kincaid. I thought he was decent, right? You know, uh, I just think that it's time that we don't make him the backup. We understand that this is a new, this is a new league. And it's time for the fucking two goalie, you know, approach to the Montreal Canadiens play style.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think what you could see too is Carey Price playing, if he plays less games, playing back to the same level of old Carey Price. Maybe not his height, but, you know, that greatness that he had consistently for a long time while also ushering in a new era of an elite goalie and obviously we're speaking a little soon primo has only played a few games his he played great in those games and he's not i don't think he's wildly regarded as as great of a prospect as say carter hart was coming into the league or um i can't say his name uh the one the the New York Rangers have uh, the he, the Russian goalie prospect the Rangers have is going to bother me. But um,
1: is it Gorgiev?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, where he's kind of widely regarded as an elite prospect. He I don't think he's there, but I think Caden Primo is going to be an elite goalie. I think he's going to be an all star caliber goalie. I think he's going to be really. I don't think he's going to be as great as Carey Price was. Is his legacy will not be that of Carey Price, but I do think that Caden Primo might end his career, and it's sad. It makes me sad to say this was something that Price won't, and that's a cup.
1: Yeah, um, for for anybody who got upset with you and your you know quote unquote blasphemous tweet, you can <laughs> bring in that dual partnership. And you can end up like your your mortal enemies, the Boston Bruins. Ugh. Or, you know, like if we if we if we understand that it's a two goalie league now, things move up for us. Or we can watch Perry, we can watch Price turn into fucking uh, Henry Glunquist looking like a third a third goalie at this point on his team. Do you want that to be the Cary Price at the end of his career? Or do you want to tell him, hey, you're going to play 40-something games unless you catch a heater, and we're going to win this cup together, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think you made a great analogy there with Henrik Lundqvist. Carry Price is going to be remembered as a Hall of Fame goalie. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, clear. I think everyone listening, I think you agree. Right now, if Kerry Price retired, he's going in the Hall of Fame. No one's going to yeah, argue I
1: think that. He's got a great shot.
0: Yeah, but that's it's the same case with Lundqvist. If Lundqvist had retired five years ago, even six, six seven years ago, he was going in. He was probably going into the Hall of Fame. He was that good. But he's always going to be that goalie with an asterisk, saying he didn't win a cup. Yep. And it's going to haunt him. Forever, and I just don't want that to happen with Carry Price.
1: I don't think we have much more time to get it right, you know
0: yeah i um it's challenging for sure, I think for montreal it's it's a sticky situation um but I think Mark Bergman owes it to Carry Price at this point. Um, to do what's best for him, obviously team first, but whether or not that's getting um, Kane Primo or another quality goalie in to split time with price next year and really change the game plan about how we're going to manage his minutes. Or if that is, which I, I really hope it's not this route, but if it is trading price to a contending team for picks prospects or maybe a young good center or winger or someone, you know, just another great young player to help build it, the team for the future, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I wouldn't want to see him leave. I get that it's a it's a possibility. it's he deserves to go somewhere that has a chance. We owe him that. He's the league believes that he can do it with a great team around him. I don't think you have to move him. I think it's hard to say. He's 32 years old, right? He's about to be 33 in almost six months. You know, it's gonna be a little less than that, probably. Looking at Henrik Lundqvist, he's 38 years old, right? Mm. Salary is seven. Seven million cap hits eight five. Carry price, fifteen million dollars. Current cap hit is ten five. Yeah. I think you gotta tell the big man that if you take you take a little less money, you'd be like a Tom Brady. You take a little less money, dude. We can bring in people to help get you a cup.
0: I don't can can they even do that in the NHL though. I don't know if
1: I'm I'm talking allows. about his I'm talking about his next contract. Yeah. Um. I, don't, I don't mean like mid contract take take a cut. Just whenever his shit is ending I think that the team really needs to think about that. And if he's not willing to take that cut, that's when you got to move him.
0: Here's the thing. I don't blame
1: Price at all. I don't either. Or... But but I'm also looking at $15 million. He, Yeah, he definitely deserves it. But we – I mean, I think we're building a great team around him. But if we're going to move to a double goalie style of play, I don't think one goalie should make a fucking – a third of our, you know, our money almost, you know, a fourth of it.
0: Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that contract has a full no-move clause running till 25-26. So, Kerry Price is not going anywhere unless he wants to.
1: And I don't want him to move. I just want him to understand that if he – and when the time comes, he could take a little less money and we might be able to do something. I don't want to see him, 38 years old, a third-string fucking goalie. You know, because we can't – because we can't fucking move him and he, and he costs so much.
0: How old did you say he was, sorry?
1: He's 32 right now. I'm saying, like, I don't want him to be like Lundquist right now, who's 38 and is yeah. the backup's backup.
0: Because this this contract will take him till he's 39.
1: Yeah. So – I think I think Price has another I'll give this man another 5 years of really dynamic play style. If I, we can't get it together within that time, then everyone in our prospect pool, current players, they're being wasted alongside him.
0: Yeah, 100%. But I think the what we have to point out too cuz I think where you're coming from might be kind of people might not understand where you're coming from in talking about him like he's still this great goalie um the players um in the recent NHL poll still rated Kerry price and it was like by a long shot as the best goalie in the NHL I think it was like 40 percent or something and that that's where we're coming from when we talk about price in the sense that at least I think that's where you're coming from there too because we know we like we both understand that his numbers have been dog shit the last few years like that hasn't gone by us but i I agree with you i think price still has years where he's capable of that dynamic play that for lack of a better term dominant carrier price that we have seen in the past and i think he could return to that form it's just how long and how quickly can he do that because as time, you know, ticks on, I think it becomes less likely. And if he does ever regain it, we're not going to have it for an extended period of time.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's basically what I'm trying to say. And it's, we have a window, you know, and it is closing. We don't want to be like, like Nashville. Okay. We don't want to feel like Pecorino is starting to show a lot. Of, I guess, fallout a lot of misjudgment, and then your backup. You don't have that faith that he's going to be, the next, you know, for your franchise, the next Pecorino.
0: To be fair, though, I don't think it's entirely fair to compare Price to Rene.
1: No, I'm not. I'm because, not. I'm not comparing yeah. them. I'm just. I'm just trying to say that it's like, you know, like, yeah, we we believe. Yeah, uh, Primo is an answer, but I don't think that it's fair to how good of Carey Price is. Yeah, to not make this happen now for him, we just the man's not asking for fucking six cups. He wants one. Like, we yeah. just got to get him one fucking cup. You know, like we got to make his legacy, his time that he's had with this fucking team, even more worth it than it's been. You know.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I just think. Pekka Rene kind of is a choke artist. And I think that's why a lot of the time Nashville hasn't done well in the playoffs. And I think to further your point about we need to get this guy won, Price has never been a choke artist in the playoffs. He's always played great. And he he was carrying us. That Like, bring it back to that New York series. Carrying us. And yeah. then just,
1: when When we were just playing fundamental hockey that you can't score in sometimes. You yeah, know, score two New goals. New York a has game. the answer for us.
0: Yeah, Chris Kreider and his fat ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, but beyond that, dude, like sending in, you know, two guys, you know, into our zone crippled us. Yeah. Crippled us. We didn't know how to fucking move the puck. You know, it, it they played us in that series, like you watch people play fucking threes Eliminator right now.
0: But Montreal was winning until Price went down. Yeah,
1: until he he got hurt. But then you really saw that, like, I don't know, like that momentum swing was was so dominant. Oh, it was bad. Yeah.
0: I mean, (laughs) you got to feel bad for, I think it was Dustin Tokarski.
1: Tokarski. And (laughs) you know what, and he played fucking great. It's not his fault. He's not Kerry Price. Dude, yeah, he's not Carey Price, but I was so frustrated that people were mad at him. This kid is not Kerry Price. He was not kid. He was fucking too. killing it.
0: He was a kid at that time, too. He was like 20 years old.
1: Dude, I was upset when we lost to Karski. Okay. Can we,
0: can we, like, sorry, totally not <laughs> hockey related, though? Is Dustin not, like, the mo- one of the most childish names? Like, can you think of an old person named Dustin?
1: no (laughs) sorry
0: that just that thought crossed my that is like the childish name i think one of the most childish names you can name your kid dustin Uh. (laughs) (laughs) i know that's so fucking random but
1: oh man uh, I, I was like, uh, for some reason, I went Dustin Potman. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> I'm like trying to think. I don't really know too many Dustins like that. Like, uh, And it's weird. I feel like maybe that's a generational name because like, I know people like that are my age that are named Dustin. And I can't really tell you people well, like, older than me that are named Dustin. It's really. like
0: Justin. Like, I know old Justins. But Justin's just like a kid name I don't know when I think Justin, the first thing that pops into mind isn't like Justin Williams from my hometown by the way nice. um it's like a little eight year old kid on a fucking scooter I don't know maybe yeah. I'm just a psychopath but
1: no some some names don't carry that adult stature
0: yeah I don't know. Sorry, we should probably talk about hockey again.
1: <laughs> that was a good break, dude. It was almost like a little <laughs> commercial. It was, it was nice. It was nice. It threw me for a fucking loop because now I'm thinking like I'm going through like historics. Like, do I know really any any big Dustin's? You know, well, Dustin Hoffman. What? Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Like,
0: speaking of commercials, I'm glad you brought it up once again. I think we are inclined to talk about how this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Our good friends at Manscaped, um, have provided us with their new razor, the Lawn Mower 3.0. You personally have had the honor of using it. And I think why don't you tell the audience and the listeners about how great
1: this product is? Um, it takes me a while in the bathroom to do certain things like that. um, And this thing, you know, like I'm normally walking away with a couple of little red spots as far as like little blood, like a little nicks and shit. And uh, this thing, the name, the lawnmower works because when I think lawnmower, I'm not thinking just a flat bed of grass. I'm thinking like, like almost like a curved Hill. Like this thing is just trimming perfectly, you know? And that's what this thing does all over your body. I wouldn't do it on your face. I don't think it's... I, don't, I just don't think that would be somewhere that would work the best. But for someone like me, who's like a fucking woolly mammoth, or like, you know, like the Louisiana black bear, like I said before, <laughs> like, I'm fucking hairy. And this thing cuts my time in the bathroom, making myself like a fucking fresh sheet of ice, like fraction of the time. You know, like I'm as fast As like Dylan Larkin coming out of the bathroom after using one of these. I love it. I'm happy. I fucking got it. I'm sorry. I couldn't make a a fucking video. I wish I would have. But when I got back from fucking quarantine, I felt disgusting. I felt like I was growing my own fucking garden. My wife's got her garden out there. I felt like I was growing one as a fucking body. And that had to be taken care of. And... Yeah, I I love it. I I have no fucking bad remarks about it. I think it's awesome they sent me a care package like that um, because I'm definitely that type of uh, demographic that needs it, that fucking Italian, furry, nasty, sweating, humidity-soaked fuck from New Orleans who just can't catch a break when it comes to that. Now I'm not sweating as much. I don't have a second t-shirt on what it feels like. Cause it's like your, your hair is like your first t-shirt, like (laughs) a nasty grandma's knitted fucking sweater. I don't have that anymore. And it feels nice. And my wife appreciates it, you know? So like for, for any man out there, if you're trying to, to get extra brownie points, go get the fucking lawnmower. Manscaping is the fucking future for your for, for your sexual adventures
0: and you can obviously manscaped also has other products that you can use on your face so you can find all of this at manscaped.com if you use the promo code thpn you will get 20 percent off but moving on because i think bender just i can't beat that and i'm not going to try to that he pitched it perfectly um, we, you actually had some great, um, insight on what the NHL is planning to do to bring back hockey. And if you want to explain that, cause you can explain it way better than I can.
1: Yeah. So we don't, we don't have any confirmations yet, but and I, I feel like it's stemming based off of the fear of another league. So the reason why we had to stop was because players from the NBA tested positive, meaning so that we play, we share the same arenas, meaning that there's a chance we came in contact. Sure enough, an Ottawa guy catches it. We don't know if that's linked. I can't fucking tell you. But what's stopping us from playing faster than we could be is the fear of sharing an arena with a team, with another league right now. So there were rumors about maybe a week, two weeks back, of possibly looking at, you know, isolated locations. Uh, one of them being mainly, um, i trying to think it's like, uh, it's Grand Forks, North Dakota. They have a rink out there that's adequate for NHL play. You know, it would still be without the fans, which is fine. We're going to suck it up. We just want hockey back, right? Well, there's there's a couple of more facilities that have been brought into this equation as well. So now there's places such as Manchester, New Hampshire, and then for the Canadians, uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which if I was playing, I'd probably want to play somewhere like that or North Dakota. I don't know if I'd want to really be so much in New Hampshire where it's so bad, but <laughs> these places are all isolated. They're looking for places that are, that are almost like – they're just kind of outside of the, the city – as far into the country as you kind of can be. And they're basically making what from what we're believing to be almost like Olympic camps. So, you know, you would have these, you would have the players and the teams set up in their own type of camp situation, you know, housing and all of that, just like the Olympics and then going in and playing the remainder and, you know, the playoffs into these setups. And I think it's a smarter idea to try to bring in uh, more than just one compound, that way you can almost at this point, you can get um, like your division staying in, in their respected areas, you know. Um, but I think this is a great idea. I think that that way it keeps us away from uh, the NBA, you know, which is our biggest problem because if we keep spending money to secure, you know, arenas to go as far as we can, you know, as as in May and stuff like that, If we can move out of that, it takes the NBA NBA out of it. These rinks are, you know, from what I understand, for hockey purposes, that means it would just be us and a game could come faster to us.
0: Yeah, and like you said, they're kind of in different locations too, like North Dakota, New Hampshire's definitely interesting, Saskatoon. And you get to bring NHL hockey to places that don't usually get it, so that's always a bonus. Growing the game is always great, but I think – Another reason that this is so exciting, not only are we getting hockey back, but if the NHL can pull this off relatively quick, quickly, I don't see it happening in the next few weeks. Maybe i benders knows more about it than me, but just from just the way things are going with COVID-19, maybe like a month or so, and they can get this, you know, on track faster than other leagues. It's going to be the only sport on and, People are so fucking sport deprived that even if you think hockey's dumb, you're going to tune in and that's only going to grow the league further.
1: Yeah. I I just think think this this
0: could be a great opportunity.
1: Absolutely. It's a jumping point for us to boost our ratings and and really get out and show the hockey culture as something fun to watch. The best time to watch hockey for a new fan is the playoffs you're getting a chance for that. And, and that's why I want this to work so, so well. And if you, if you look at the, if you look at the map of the, of of North America, it's really nice. If you, if you're going to, if you're going to stay with these possible three scenarios, you got, you know, you got New Hampshire that can be all of your fucking East coast games. You know, you can take what um, the Atlantic and the Metro division, I would take, you know, central division could be more of like a North Dakota Um and then really just take the rest of the West, put them in Saskatchewan. You know, those two can really bounce off of each other, but they're not too far apart to where it would be that much of a difference. Your your biggest, you know, your biggest far away moment would be like North New Hampshire, but I'm sure you could find somewhere even closer. But if you look at the map, these are very rural areas. And I think, I think if we only had to have two, I think Saskatchewan and North Dakota work the best. It's the best rural opportunity we would have, um, to bring successful hockey back
0: Can we also for all the canadian listeners take a moment to appreciate that bender said saskatchewan right i don't know if i've how many americans can say that they can read saskatchewan and pronounce it correctly like (laughs) fucking amen buddy i was not expecting that when you said saskatoon i was like he's going to butcher this but (laughs)
1: <laughs> a lot of my favorite tv shows are like canadian so like i have i have somewhat of a background and and it's people like dave who you guys will hear in the future um that has really seen those slip-ups and has made sure that i don't make those slip-ups anymore, <laughs> you know like one time i was like uh it's <laughs> like uh dude i'm talking this is like six or something years ago and i was like man like uh i didn't really know Uh, Because we don't we don't get taught about Canada that much, you know, growing up. So you don't really know the fucking map that well. And I was getting fucking places like all kinds of confused, like putting like Alberta way too close to Ontario and shit. And like, I wasn't sure where these teams were playing out of as far as on the map. Like if, if you took away the fucking names, I was having trouble, you know. I could tell you about the team, I couldn't fucking tell you anything else though i couldn't I couldn't point it out on a map where I could find them
0: and I think that's and, awesome that sports has like just it's to not only you know you got into hockey but you learned stuff about an entire country and a culture through sports, and I just think that's super cool
1: absolutely. I think it's stupid that um that the border stops us from la- learning a lot more from our brothers to the North. And I think it's sad that our Canadian family knows more about the U S than we do about them. I think we need to break that tie and North America should learn about North America and not just the country you're in.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think especially... that's
1: mainly our problem. You guys are well, well versed <laughs> in our shit.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because we're obviously, the two biggest allies in the world, Um, more goods and money go in between Canada and the U S to and from each other than any other country in the world, any other two countries in the world. Sorry. And, you know, we have a great bond, but we also have a great rivalry and we see that on the ice and hockey and stuff all the time. So I just think, you know, it's great how sports is kind of those rivalries translate Into sports too, and we get something as awesome as Canada the U versus the U.S. in hockey.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I just think that we need to unite a lot more. I mean, if we can, if if we can grow up knowing that Alaska is, you know, to the left of Maine, all of Maine, Canada. Why the fuck aren't we learning about the in between? You know. Yeah, I think it's just a little silly.
0: Very philosophical. (laughs) <laughs> Last few minutes. Um, I think I think we've mostly covered everything we wanted to talk about today. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add before we go?
1: Not really. Um, you guys, you know, we're not we're not producing stuff for Thursday's episodes right now, but you can definitely join in the fun of watching us try our damnedest to beat these nine year old, ten year old kids on NHL. Uh, in our in our Goon Line uh, episodes, where we play against the world's best NHL players, and we try to to bring a team like the Little Giants and turn them into someone that can beat the Cowboys. So uh, definitely tune into those; they're starting to get really fun and really competitive.
0: Yep, and I am also part of the Goon Line, so I encourage you guys to check it out. Like Bender said, they're pretty fun. Um, we are a Decent team, I would say. Uh, me and Benders may spend more time in the box than we spend on the ice, but that's besides the point. You get to support your very own Habs fans, and it's honestly just it's sports entertainment, and I know everyone's starved of it, so why not check it out? You can find that at the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube channel, the same name, the Hockey Podcast Network. And anyways that'll be it for today um i think me and Corey did a good job just babbling on about literally everything that came into our brains so thank you for listening if you made it this far and that's it for me if you want to close out too Corey.
1: yeah as you know where to find me it's Benders at instagram and twitter i'm sorry i've been a little far away i'm I'm finally back into a a wi-fi enriched area so I will be a lot more active. But uh, guys, definitely just stay, stick with us. Stay indoors. Stay healthy. You know, uh, we can, you know, things will change. We'll get back to normal. But let's get back to normal together. We don't need you guys getting sick out there.
0: Yes, exactly. And as always, I've been Mason. He's been Corey. This has been Habs Nightly. Thank you guys for stopping by.